Thanks for listening to the Woodward Podcast Network. Check out more shows by searching for us on Spreaker or wherever you catch your podcasts. The Woodward Podcast Network with Krupka Dental Associates. Hello, this is Dr. John Krupka from Krupka Dental. We now have the Saleo Laser. You can have your fillings done without needles nor drills. We are a full-service dental office and always accepting new patients. To learn more about me and my friendly team, visit KrupkaDental.com. All right, you're listening to Outside the Box with Ben Kaminos here on WHBY. Outside the Box is brought to you by Hooper Law Office, providing a pathway to your legacy. We're going to be bouncing all over the place on this show today. However, this is our last uh, addition to our primary conversation. I've been compiling as many interviews as I can with all of the different people that you'll be choosing between come Tuesday across a number of different races. So I am pleased to welcome Dan Kelly to the program running for Wisconsin Supreme Court. How are you today, sir? I'm doing well, Ben. Thanks so much for having me on your show. No, I appreciate you making some time for us here. You, uh, it, it was a lot of juggling there, but I appreciate you guys have just made this a very, very smooth process. We're just trying to make it easy for the voters to decide what they're trying to do here come Tuesday. So uh, right. this will be a yeah, great conversation. Yeah. yeah, you know. I'm sure you know. As we were talking off the air, I'm sure you're pretty thrilled to uh, get to the general election and really just get to the real deal here if you're fortunate enough to get enough votes, of course, here. Uh, let's jump right that's, into it, though. Yeah, for sure. And um, let's uh, j- just jump right into give the listeners here a rundown about your history here, what you've been doing experience-wise, and, and everything like that. Sure. So as they might remember, I've, uh, I've already served them as one of their Supreme Court justices uh, from 2016 to 2020. And I have to say, it was the greatest uh, professional honor of a lifetime. Uh, for a couple of reasons. One, because, you know, the, the relationship between the people of Wisconsin and those in office is the relationship between boss and servant. And, uh, and they, you know, the, the bosses loan some of their authority through the Constitution for us to use on their behalf, and they do it in a really careful way. So, you know, they tell those of us in the judiciary, uh, we've got one job for you, just one. Please pay attention, do it well, but it's just one job. And that is to use the existing law to resolve the cases that come before the court. And so I understood that in every case that I addressed, uh, I was uh, I was working on behalf of the bosses uh, with the authority they loaned to me. And uh, I got to tell you, Ben, I had the best bosses a guy could ask for. <laughs> so that was uh, that was just a joy. But I, you know, coming before coming to the bench, I spent most of my career in commercial litigation one of the largest and oldest law firms in the state of Wisconsin. And in addition to that, I was a well-known constitutional conservative long before I got to the bench, uh, largely because I helped lead the Federal Society in Wisconsin for 15 years before I was appointed to the bench. And you might know that that organization has as its sole purpose helping people understand, promote, and apply the original public meaning of our constitutions and specifically addressing the role of the court within that constitutional framework. 
So, uh, so I, I, I loved uh, my time on the court serving the folks of Wisconsin. Uh, you know, the, uh, the work of a, of a justice is uh, pretty straightforward. You, you spend your days reading, researching, and writing, and I loved doing that. And so as I've uh, gone around the state the last couple of years, I've been doing uh, a lot of presentations on the proper role and function of the judiciary. And after I've gotten done, uh, folks have come up to me and said, look, we, we want to make sure our next Supreme Court justice uh, is someone who has a, uh, a long proven record of honoring the Constitution and the rule of law. And they told me they saw that in me, and so they asked me to run. And so, uh, so that's what I'm doing now. Uh, and uh, we are closing in, as you mentioned, on the primary election. Uh, well, actually, I guess the end of the primary election season. Uh, so, uh, so please, everyone, um, make sure to get out and vote for your preferred candidate no later than 8 o'clock on, fri- on uh, Tuesday, this coming Tuesday. Uh, and because this is this is really the, the the responsibility of the people of Wisconsin uh, to decide who will be best uh, in serving them on this court, and so uh, I trust their judgment. Uh, so I encourage them to look at the backgrounds of all four candidates real carefully, and uh, as they do that, I uh, I hope that brings them to me, because I would be so very honored to have their support and their vote. As we go through this process. So I, I'm aware, and, and we're going to actually jump into this a little later on in our conversation, but I'm aware you, you've been very, uh, you've taken the traditional approach here whenever it comes to talking about how you would rule on certain cases. You, you don't want to talk about that before you actually have all the information presented in front of you, and I'm, I'm going to respect that, of course. Yeah, right. But at the end of the day, um, public perception is most certainly, especially in the line of work that I work in, uh, what we have to, to work around here. And I think in the eyes of a lot of, uh, a lot, at least for the purposes of this primary, you have uh, Judge Protasewicz and Judge Mitchell as more left-leaning and Judge Doro and yourself as more right-leaning. What do you think is yeah. the biggest uh, differentiating factor between yourself and Judge Doro? Um, I think it's a question of having a well-developed judicial philosophy and a substantial body of scholarship. So, uh, so during my time on the court, I wrote um, many landmark opinions on constitutional issues, and the totality of my work uh, has been cited, quoted, or relied upon hundreds of times by courts here in Wisconsin and across the country. And, of course, there's the writing that I've done off the court when I was asked to write a groundbreaking manual on legislative oversight, part of which traces out the, uh, the history and the constitutional authority that the people of Wisconsin have loaned to each of the branches of government and describes why it's so very important that they each stay within their own lane, that they not go poaching the authority that people have given to the other branches. And so it's a question of having a well-developed body of scholarship. So with Jennifer, um, and, and I don't want to detract from any of the good work that she's done as a trial court judge, um, because she has done good work as a trial court judge, but this is about the Supreme Court. And the people of Wisconsin have told me they want to see uh, that body of work out there so they know what people mean when they, uh, when they say what the judicial philosophy is. And with Jennifer, um, she's just really on the beginning edge of, of uh, developing as a 
judicial conservative. Um, so there's really no body of scholarship out there we can point to. Uh, she hasn't written a treatise, um, not a law review article, not an opinion piece in a newspaper. There's no uh, lecture. There's no summary judgment opinion or motion to dismiss opinion by which we could discover what she means when she says she's a judicial conservative. And I think that's important mostly because of our experience four years ago when another candidate came to us, said that he was a uh, constitutional conservative. And, um, you know, I took a gamble on him. I endorsed him. I campaigned for him, helped him get to the Supreme Court, only to find out when he got there. When he says he's a constitutional conservative, he means something completely different from what, what I mean. So, and that, I think, was uh, illustrated really powerfully in the uh, Safer Home Order case, uh, Wisconsin Legislature versus Palm. So, uh, Justice Rebecca Bradley and I, we wrote about how that order was unconstitutional because a, uh, an executive branch employee reached over and grabbed the legislature's authority and used that to make law in the executive branch. And Brian Hagedorn uh, dissented. He, he thought that order was just fine. And he actually criticized Justice Rebecca Bradley and me uh, for our constitutional analysis. He said, I don't see any problem with an executive branch employee making the law. So it matters uh, what someone needs. And so I think that's probably the, the big difference between Jennifer Doral and me is that I have that... Uh, that long, large uh, body of scholarship that demonstrates exactly how I approach the Constitution, and Jennifer um, hasn't uh, hasn't created that body of scholarship yet. Let's dive into that term, uh, constitutional conservative. There, you, we've been uh, when running a spot here. I, I I don't remember the name of the the group that that runs it here, but they refer to you as a constitutional conservative as well. How do you define yeah. that that term? I guess what what do you mean yeah. whenever you say that? Sure. So let's start with the phrase itself. Uh, so when we talk about constitutional conservatism, what we mean is conserving the original public meaning of the Constitution. So the idea is this, that, uh, you know, the people of Wisconsin have all the authority to create and maintain governments, and uh, the way they do that is by uh, constructing a Constitution, so that everybody who, uh, who occupies an office in state government is using authority that they have borrowed from the people of Wisconsin as expressed through the Constitution. And so we understand that the type of authority that we exercise is limited by uh, the, uh, what the Constitution says. And, uh, and we understand that all of government's work has to fit within the confines of the Constitution. And if, it, if they venture outside of that, then that is acting without authority. So it's really a question of, of understanding who your bosses are and what they've asked you to do. So in, in, in the judiciary, we look at that and we say, well, the people of Wisconsin in Article 7 of our Wisconsin Constitution said that they have loaned us the judicial power. And that's just, uh, and that's pretty simple. That's using the existing law to resolve the cases that come before the court. Now, that is an immensely important limitation on what jurists are supposed to do. And that is in contradistinction to those who we would call activists. So Janet Protasewa, she's been going around the state talking about her, her values, because what's most important to her 
is not what the law says. It's not what the Constitution says. It's not the limitations the Constitution imposes on the court. What's most important to her is her values. And so what she's telling the people of Wisconsin is that uh, when she decides cases, uh, she will sometimes use the statutes in the Constitution, but if they conflict with her personal values, uh, her personal values take precedence. That's what she believes. And that's, um, that's one of the significant differences between a constitutional conservative and an activist. An activist looks at the law as being of secondary importance. A constitutional conservative looks at the law as of primary importance and that everything that we do on the court must be derived from the law. So that's what, so when I talk about being a constitutional conservative, that's what I mean. Staying within the parameters of the authority that people of Wisconsin have granted to us uh, to use on their behalf, and that is simply using the existing law, not making it up, not changing it, not ignoring it, but just using the existing law to decide the cases that come before us. So I'm speaking with uh, Wisconsin Supreme Court candidate Dan Kelly here. Uh, this is going to be our, our, our last question for you here, and this is how I've ended all of my conversations with us, the, the candidates for this race here. Uh, you, were, you were just speaking, and I appreciate that in-depth answer there, because honestly I was a little confused about the term constitutional conservative as well, so of course I appreciate that. Uh, my, we talk on this show quite a bit about the Supreme Court, and it's, it's the contention of this show, I always will say, you show me the makeup, whether it's a right-leaning or left-leaning Supreme Court, and I can predict with no judicial experience, uh, within 70 to 80% accuracy, how that court is going to roll. So I guess my last question for you would be, uh, is there such a thing as being able to take your politics and life experiences out of the equation? Because I've just, and just to clarify what I mean by that a little bit more, I've argued essentially that Judge Protosewicz is essentially just saying the quiet part out loud that I think a lot of yeah. candidates think and will ultimately end up doing. She's just saying it before the election happens. So I am I incorrect in, in assessing it that way, or what are your thoughts on that question? Well, I think that's an excellent question, because that really gets to the heart of the difference between uh, jurists like uh, Janet Protosewitz and jurists like me. So there are those um, who believe that they, you know, it is a mark of sophistication and maturity to say, you know, you really can't ever uh, get your politics out of the work of the court. So it's best just to admit it up front that you're just going to be ruling according to your personal politics. And I think that is fundamentally flawed. It violates the, uh, the entire nature of a written constitution, and, it, um, and I think it's disrespectful to the people of Wisconsin. So yes, you can do the work of the court uh, um, by setting aside your personal values and your personal politics, but you have to have a commitment to doing it first, and then you have to have a methodology to actually do it. And so I do have a methodology. So first, uh, it, you know, the, the first step is to recognize that we all have political views. Every jurist who's ever sat on the court has political views. And if someone tells you they don't, they're not being honest with you. The question is whether you can set them aside to do the work of the court. So the first step is to acknowledge it and then develop a methodology to set it aside. And here's mine. So I start with the... In analyzing cases and writing opinions, I always start with the premises, the law, that are applicable to that case, whether it's a constitutional provision, a statute, a regulation, or the common law. And then I use rigorous logic 
to move from those premises all the way down to the conclusion. And when you get done, you should be able to look back and see an unbroken chain of logic connecting the conclusion to the premises, the law. And if you can, if it is an unbroken chain, that's your guarantee that the conclusion is commanded by law and is not infected by the juror's personal concerns. But if you find a break in the logic, that's where personal values, personal politics start to seep in and poison the work of the court. So, um, so I think it's, it's um, important to have that, one, that recognition uh, that everybody has politics, but two, have a commitment to setting aside and then having a methodology that can actually accomplish that. All right. We're speaking with Wisconsin Supreme Court candidate uh, Dan Kelly. Thank you so much for joining us today and for all the information. And uh, good luck on Tuesday. And depending on how things go, we'll uh, maybe chat again here before the general election. Wonderful. Ben, thanks so much. I really appreciate having an opportunity to chat with you. Thank you very much. You have a great weekend. You as well. Thank you. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this conversation here. Anyone who wants to listen to what you may have missed here or catch any of the other interviews that I have done, be sure to check out the WHBY.com website, or you can download the WHBY mobile app powered by Christensen Heating and Air Conditioning. We'll be back in just a couple moments to continue along. We'll be right back on Outside the Box here on WHBY. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.